0: For most of us, once the water we use each day is out of sight, it's also out of mind as well. But the reality is that once this wastewater has left our homes, schools, or offices, it embarks on a long and costly journey towards rehabilitation. In previous episodes, we've explored some of the ways to preserve, protect, and increase the 1% of water on earth that is drinkable now it's time to learn how our used water can safely and efficiently re-enter the environment and be reused in countless ways hello and welcome to another episode of preview of tomorrow i am your host mike lake in this preview i will be talking to brian Braginton smith the founder and ceo of aquagen isi a startup that harnesses the natural power of algae to more efficiently and ecologically purify and reuse the water we depend on.
1: Innovation, resiliency, discovery.
0: Join Mike Lake, President and CEO of Leading Cities as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us and, and once again welcome to all of you our listeners and viewers i'd like to introduce you to brian braggerton smith the president and ceo of aquagen isi a company that incorporates the natural benefits of algae-based photosynthesis to enhance the operational process of wastewater treatment now brian wastewater is something all of us i think you know Spend very little time thinking about. We totally take it for granted, but you have it. You have very much focused on this topic. How did that come to be? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey.
1: Well, uh, it, uh, I'm a native Cape Codder. I was born uh, at the Cape Cod Hospital, uh, just uh, a few yards from where I, I grew up on Lewis Bay. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I probably was scuba diving before I uh, got my driver's license, certainly, but maybe before I was riding a bike. Uh, so I, uh, I became really familiar uh, with, the, uh, with the underwater world. Uh, You know, directly. Uh, And because of the time, uh, you know, that that was that was back in the in the early 60s, really. Uh, And so so the environment at that time uh, was quite a bit different than it is today. Uh, And uh, and it was watching the environmental degradation over the decades uh, that really mobilized me and motivated me. And, uh, and the problem was that I would go to the folks that should know these things and would ask them, hey, what's going on? And, and they would come back with answers like, oh, don't worry about it. We've got septic systems or don't worry about it. Uh, everything's fine. You know, just just relax. Uh, but I couldn't. Uh, and so that that's the thing that mobilized me. And when someone tells me not to worry about it. And I can see that something's wrong. That tends to mobilize me to do other things. And uh, and uh, in studying algae, uh, it was my nemesis, uh, actually. You know, because every time I'd see an algae bloom, I'd, I'd think fish kill and, and, uh, and you know, other stuff that's going on out there that we really don't want to have to, have to deal with, honestly. Uh, but the simple fact is that it's there. And uh, one time there was one particularly problematic scenario where there was the massive fish kill. Uh, and I was sitting there, and honestly, you know, it brings tears to your eyes, uh, both because of the hydrogen sulfide, which is a toxic gas, but also because of this, this, you know, we wiped out a whole generation of fish, so uh, uh, I was kind of lamenting the fact, you know, Mother Nature shouldn't be doing this, Mother Nature isn't vengeful, you know, why is this happening, and all of a sudden it occurred to me that, you know, this is Mother Nature trying to step in and solve the problem, uh, and the algae is one of her biggest tools, uh, but it's because of the systemic nature of the problem that it doesn't work anymore. Uh, and so uh, I took the idea of the algae, which is the natural solution to eutrophication, uh, and started to uh, to apply that in wastewater. And it's a remarkable uh, uh, sort of evolution. Uh, but that's how I get into it.
0: So I do want to focus on the, on the challenge here, and and just understanding wastewater treatment. Is, you know, in some small respect, um, you know, if I if I remember correctly, almost 15,000 uh, wastewater treatment plants uh, are providing that kind of uh, wastewater collection, treatment, disposal, etc., for almost the entire population of the United States, over 200 million people. Um, so when you have that much wastewater treatment going on. Um, how, how, how does this impact the environment?
1: Well, it depends on, on, on the level of treatment that you've got. One of the real problems that we face as a society is that up until recently, fairly recently, attitude has been, what can I get away with? And, you know, what's the cheapest way? You know, to get rid of this problem and make it go away, and and that's really not the solution. You know, that's that's getting away with something. That's not that's not solving it. Uh, and that's really where the things are changing now. And and that 15,000 facilities across the country, uh, if we look at the at the uh, the the grade that the U.S. has gotten on their wastewater and and general infrastructure, it's a D. Uh, now we're 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 a globally significant leader uh, as a nation. And yet our infrastructure is a D. Uh, So this is the problem. Uh, And and what it really necessitates is a a pivot uh, in the way that we deal with the world and the way that we deal with how we impact that world. You know, in my mind uh, and to my way of thinking, every one of those 15,000 wastewater treatment facilities Needs to be upgraded to advanced tertiary level uh, because not only do we have a problem with the pollution on the side of not treating it the way it should, but we are also running out of water. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, if we're if we're throwing water away, clean water, just as a transport mechanism for our waste, then then we're making it dirty. Uh, and so there are different ways that you can look at it and that's really what we're about Uh, i've been using water uh, recycling water since 1993 Uh, and uh, and you know if you have a have an office building you know you can reduce your your uh, your water consumption and effluent discharge by 96 percent by recycling Uh, same holds true for a school Uh, if you look at that and you start to think about that impact globally it's really quite dynamic. Uh, and it's not that much more difficult with today's technology to be able to achieve those standards. So that's really a big deal. And 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 that is, in fact, the most critical issue is that we've got to sort of take things more seriously and take responsibility for what we're doing.
0: And, and as you point out, this is truly a global issue. You know, 80 percent of wastewater, uh around the world flows right back into the ecosystem without being treated or reused uh, which means about 1.8 billion people in the world use a contaminated source of drinking water um, i mean I, we don't have to think too hard about how how detrimental that can be to human health and and not not to mention the environment so tell us more about aquagen isi and and the you know, clearly you've harnessed Mother Nature's tool um, to evolve it into something that has um, a, a much higher capacity. Is that right?
1: Yes. Uh, basically, what what uh, what we do is uh, is uh, we use a, a process called membrane separation, uh, which uh, utilizes uh, a porous membrane uh, to basically. If you look at what I just had mentioned about the water and the waste, uh, basically what what humankind has done is, is since the time of the Assyrians, uh, we, we had to try to figure out how to get rid of our waste. Uh, and so using water to transport it through sewers was, was, you know, sort of the, the, the answer. And, uh, and since that time, we really hadn't broken that chain. Uh, and uh, about uh, probably 40, 50 years ago, this membrane technology started to come around. Uh, and what that allows you to do is to separate the solid from the hydraulics because if you can do that, then you can change the dynamic of the process. Uh, And uh, and the membrane does that. So it separates the solid material from the liquids. Now you end up with a very uh, sort of a clean liquid, but you still have the dissolved elements in it, uh, you know, the nutrients and stuff like that. Uh, So by taking the algae and applying it at that point, what ends up happening is the algae takes up the nutrients Uh, The interesting thing is that it also takes up carbon dioxide and it produces pure oxygen. Now, here's a really cool part. And that is that uh, those 15,000 wastewater treatment plants, they represent between four and six percent of our federal energy budget. Uh, Now, if you think about that, uh, that four to six percent, the lion's share of it is spent blowing bubbles through wastewater. Now, that sounds crazy, right? Uh, but that's how you get oxygen into the waste stream in order for the organics to be able to digest the stuff that's in it. Well, uh, the byproduct of that organic decomposition is carbon dioxide and water. So if you take that and you say, okay, we're eliminating that organic waste, but we're producing carbon dioxide. Uh, and, uh, and uh, well, for instance, uh, it's, it's a fairly significant amount. Uh, so by taking that algae, which then, as part of that of that stream that you're treating, it automatically sort of assimilates the CO2, it produces the oxygen, and then that reduces the, dramatically the amount of of, uh, of energy necessary in order to blow bubbles. Uh, so this is a very exciting dynamic. The other beneficial thing is that actually once you harvest out the algae from that stream which is a value because now you have a a product that has value that wasn't there before. So that's a value proposition. Uh, Now, if you take that water, that water that you you just cleaned and separated out is absolutely pure, tertiary level drinkable water, and it's got a very high oxygen content. So what that then does uh, in our system is we run that through hydroponics. Uh, And so the, the, uh, the plants uh, then benefit from that oxygen, because in order for a plant to be able to grow, oxygen in the root zone is essential. That's what allows it to take up the nutrients and grow. And uh, what we found was that by doing this, we increased the crop production by 30 uh, percent and increased the, the rate of the of the growth of the plant by 30 percent. So what ended up happening is you can actually fit another cycle of, of, of produce into that dynamic. So now if you take that that thought process and that Plan that we've just laid out, and you plug it into uh, an urban infrastructure element like a wastewater treatment plant. Now, you've just taken that wastewater plant, which was something that was uh, all cost you know, just trying to get rid of something. Yeah. And if you take the equation that we discussed earlier, it's not really getting rid of the waste. It's, it's kind of marginalizing it. So by doing what we're talking about doing, you're not just totally eliminating it, but you're turning that waste into an alternative resource. You're turning the the water into an alternative water resource. You're creating an alternative, uh, sustainable, resilient food supply. Uh, and uh, that, that systems dynamic of of integrating the different elements uh the the byproducts of that if you really take it to the end result are adding in renewable energy adding in biotechnology for converting that final organics into into biogas generating energy now all of a sudden you're you're turning it into a regenerative process Uh, and now if you think about that and you think about the challenges that we face today. The number one issue uh, is uh, is is energy uh, that's facing us right now, although I would say that that's no different and, and no less dangerous than the pollution that we're causing and the dead zones that we're creating. Uh, so if you take those two issues, and those are major challenges for our communities, and you solve them in an integrated platform, now... Your your overall efficiency and resiliency is is amazingly enhanced. Uh, And uh, by doing all of these things together, you end up with synergistic benefits, which which are which are found values that don't cost you anything, but they create a value proposition. And what's the net net at the end of the day on that? It reduces your costs and increases your yield. And this is what we've got to do.
0: And, and so I want to talk a little bit now about the future. And let's assume this kind of technology is not just in the 15,000 or so uh, wastewater treatment plants in the U.S., but is in treat, what, wastewater treatment plants globally. What what a kind of impact are we talking about?
1: If we were to look at that, and this is an interesting point to bring up because I'm a, I'm a member of Rotary International. Uh, and, uh, and our organization has just formed a new platform for action on the environment and the circular economy, uh, basically climate change, uh, resiliency, and sustainability. Uh, and, uh, and Rotary International uh, is an organization of about 1.5 million people globally, and uh, and we're doers. Uh, so, uh, you know, right now, uh, and, and back to our point earlier about wastewater, you know, uh, having a D uh, sounds bad, uh, but if you go to the two most populous uh, nations in the world today, uh, and you really look at infrastructure, uh, what you find is that is that those communities are, are primitive. Uh, by primitive, I mean they don't have infrastructure. They don't have uh, they don't have facilities. Uh, basically, you know, it, they don't even have outhouses. I mean, you know, open defecation and and just going out and doing it in the street. I mean, it's uh, If you think about that, what that what that really means. So so with what we're doing, uh, and with IoT uh, and the ability to to communicate uh, like we're doing right now, uh, you could you could basically use satellite intelligence. To be able to do a, a flyover, gather the data. I could identify an area. I could design a plant. I could design everything that needs to be there. And and we could ship it to the location. Uh, and then via IoT, we could be in communication directly with the folks while it's being facilitated. And then over the long term, be able to help them to make sure that the asset is managed properly. If If they don't have the capacity to do it then you can send people in to help. So uh, the way that the way that we see it is that is that the developed world is not the problem. Uh, it's the developing world. And if the okay. developing world goes through this, the the same curve that we have we're all done. Uh, yes. so, so we have to well, do We've
0: set th- a bad example.
1: <laughs> we have set a horrible example, even for the kids. That's another element, by the way, on education. And, you know, if you look at these things, uh, we've got to we've got to retrain our society uh, to this kind of thinking. We've got to prepare our kids for this angle. Uh, And if you really look at our educational process right now, uh, we're still too much into the books and we're not heavily enough into the STEM. Uh, So one of the things that we're working on that we're doing right now is is to facilitate a net zero campus for a regional school system. Now, everything that we just talked about will be part of that infrastructure cluster, but the value here is that everything turns into a learning laboratory. So that the kids have experience in, you know, sort of contact with what's going on with the infrastructure from kindergarten all the way through grade 12. By the time they're ready to graduate from high school, they can be certified and they can start working in the industry, and they can continue their education. This is a paradigm shift that has to happen, and the amazing thing is that is that it has to happen in a unified way. This vehicle that we're working with right now that we're talking through is 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 a pathway.
0: So clearly you've given far more thought to wastewater treatment than than the average person, uh, but you've certainly enlightened us on this. I mean, we all create wastewater. There's no doubt about that. Um, so we're all having an impact uh, in the negative side. So the work you're doing is, is countering that. And for that, we can't thank you enough. I do want to thank you for your time joining us today on Preview of Tomorrow. It's been great to hear uh, the opportunity that's available. To, to not just treat our wastewater, but to treat it in such a way that is so much more productive and, and uh, positively impactful to, to our environment and society.
1: It's regenerative, I and mean, that's yes. where we need to go. Yeah, renew, recycle, regenerate. Uh, we've, we've got to restore the world that we have had an adverse impact on. Uh, it's our responsibility, and it has to happen.
0: Well, if anybody wants to learn more about this, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh,
1: I would say uh, uh, probably keep tabs on us uh, on LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Uh, and uh, and uh, actually, my, my email uh, is uh, bbs at, uh, at aquagen.com slashisi.com, uh, uh, and uh, and if you have any questions, if you need anything, if I can help in any way, you know, please feel free to reach out because uh, this is something that we need to do cooperatively and as as a as a society.
0: Well, thank you for doing it and leading the charge. We look forward to talking with you again soon.
1: I too, and thank you for the stuff that you're doing. You know, this is a critical time, and without platforms like yours, uh, again, uh, we'd be in a tough spot. So thank you very much, and I've, I've appreciated all of our contact and our communications. Likewise. Thank you.
0: And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. The preview of tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.